from hidden local hotspots to outrageous wildlife rescues and trend-setting hotels. WestCoastTraveler.com shares the latest travel news from your local community and beyond. Travel the spectacular west coast of the U.S. and Canada without leaving your armchair and start taking notes for your next adventure. Make your next vacation or staycation the best it can be. Visit westcoasttraveler.com. Welcome back to Measure Twice, Cut Once, the podcast from Haven, the Home Builders Association, Vancouver. It's season four, and we are following the Burden family. It has started their real-time renovation. This is not just going to be a weekend makeover like you might see on reality TV. We're talking real life and a real renovation. So we're going to start the entire main and upper floor demolition of their East Vancouver Heritage Home and discuss as it's being gutted back to the studs to bring the home back to its original 1912 glory with modern conveniences and finishes for increased efficiency, comfort, and safety. The burdens are currently moved in now to below into the basement where they're going to live there with their two small kids during the duration of this project, which is estimated to be five to six months once construction starts. So for each episode of the season, we are bringing the family, builder, and designer at key points in the project to share their experiences and lessons learned to help shed light on the real renovation process. And as always, you can follow along with the episode by going to the transcripts and resources that are available at haven.ca slash measure twice cut once, including photos of the project. Okay, so last episode, we got to know you, Skyla and Justin, and your family, and hear all about your dreams for your heritage home renovation. So we are ready to demo the home. Are we worried about demolition process for budget? Like, are we scared we might find anything? Or do you think right now it's going to be like, okay, you guys are going to stick to the demo budget? Anytime you're, uh, you know, you're, you're opening up an older home, there's always going to be some surprises that you can't always foresee. Um, you know, thankfully we had a chance to, I mean, we've been working on this project for a long time, pre-planning wise with, with Skyla and Justin. So we were able to try to anticipate and gather as much costing and as much information as we can so we can get as accurate as a budget as possible. But unfortunately, sometimes we can't see through walls and um, there's always going to be some sort of surprise, whether it's both good and bad. And how do you prepare the clients for that, Alex? Like, because obviously we've never been through this process before. How do you say, hey, guys, we're going to demo the home, but, you know, be aware there could be some unexpected challenges once we open up the walls. We have a you know final budget meeting and we kind of walk through or you know Skyla and Justin have questions about things that might come up, but it's just one of those things where you know once we open it up, it's just about that communication and just being clear about what sort of things have come up and what potential cost implications are. To that point, Justin and I were have been talking about it. So once the demo starts and things come up, like then is the time to do things. The house is going to be gutted. We're not going to want to do this five years down the road if there's, you know, an issue with piping or whatever. It was important for us to kind of have the that conversation around like other things might might come up in this process. And are we prepared to deal with them now versus waiting and going through, you know, 
a bunch of tiny renos in the near future potentially to upgrade, you know, things from the 80s or 1912 or whenever. So budget is never unlimited. So, I mean, it's our responsibility to, you know, advise and say, hey, like, you know, this is like you need to do this now because, you know, it's going to cost you X amount more later, whereas opposed to, you know, we had originally in the budget to do shiplap on the ceiling. You know, that's, you know, something that, you know, it's, it's a nice to have, but that's something that you can do later as opposed to replacing your copper piping behind your walls. Like that's not something you can do later. It's those kind of conversations and dialogue that you have after you open up the demo and see kind of where things are at. What are the extras that we're dealing with? And, you know, then we have that conversation from there of do we have to change things from the scope of work? Are we good with the way things are going? It's just that open dialogue. To add to that too, you know, this is, um, this reno is really phase one of two parts that we haven't spoken about, but in the future, we do want to reno the basement. And so, you know, it's, it's thinking about how do the top two floors impact a potential future renovation and, and being mindful of, of that. Which we did plan the floor plan for the basement as we were going through the planning stage, just so we, they had that. And we could make sure that whatever we wanted to do in the basement wasn't going to be impacted by the upstairs, like say the engineering or anything. So we have a floor plan for that. So when they're ready to go, that they can move forward with that. With older homes, and especially one that has the original part of the house was built in the early 1900s, there's probably going to be a few surprises that you would expect. So the older the home, most likely the more surprises you'll get during demolition, unfortunately. I mean, thankfully for them, their older part was, you know, 1987 or 1990, as opposed to in most older houses, the last reno might be from the 50s or 60s. So obviously a lot more issues to address. There was that evolution during the planning stage in terms of, I mean, Carrie, you had an original plan to, you know, move walls upstairs and, you know, move a wall over in the kitchen, you know, and it's kind of as part of that pre-planning process, you know, we found that it was pretty costly to do that impacting downstairs with footings and uh, and all that so yeah we had to scale back and kind of go with a more revised version that would still kind of tick all the boxes in terms of what you wanted to achieve in the space the heritage element is also important for us to maintain and and to that point some of the windows are original from 1912 and you know we had discussions about what do we do with these they're they're not efficient in terms of heating of the building but they really add a lot of character and and that's important for us so those are things that we wanted to maintain that heritage characteristic throughout this process weren't you saying with heritage b kara you had to keep the windows well, you could upgrade them, but have to maintain the look. But also with part of the heritage status is the city of Vancouver gives you a little bit more leeway with energy requirements because they want you to maintain windows, but windows are where you lose a lot of heat. So they know that you're not going to be up to those same energy levels as a new build. And it actually leads into my next question, Alex, which is how long was the pre-planning process? We started this in sometime in the late spring, early summer. I think there was an undefined start date. I mean, we always, you know, we want to get a sense from the clients. Like, when do you guys want to do this, right? Is this an immediate project or, you know, what's your guys' plan? So I think there was a undefined start date in a sense of, I think it was going to be at some point in 2022. We just didn't know really when. So we kind of 
worked through the design process and pre-planning process with that in mind, you know, kind of staggering meetings, because if you do everything too fast, probably forget it before you start. So it was just that evolution of working through the process, submitting permit, kind of taking that time really to think things through and also, you know, let some important design decisions kind of marinate and, and sink in. And you guys can talk together as a family, you know, both from a design perspective and a budget perspective about whether you want to do this or not. But the other thing I find curious is because I'm from a building family and we always tell people don't live in your renovation. You guys are living proof of this. You guys are actually living in your home. But I should preface this with the fact that you guys do have a sealed off basement suite. So you're not actually living upstairs while they got it. But what made you make this decision? And are there any regrets at the moment? So we've done it before. We lived through two other renos at our old place. One when I was pregnant, we were sleeping on an air mattress in the basement, which was horrible, eating only cereal and bagels because we didn't have, yeah, much of a kitchen setup. So we've evolved greatly from there. We have a hot plate now in the basement. So we do have a basement suite, but it doesn't have a full kitchen. It has a kitchenette. So we've had to uh, borrow, borrow a few items. We're uh, getting really creative with the Instant Pot and the air fryer. And yeah, it, it's okay. It's it's doable. So far, it's doable. I mean, maybe ask us in eight weeks that we're doing. But um, yeah, so far, it's fine. Yeah, you're at the beginning. There's no demo yet. We'll ask you back when you start hearing things fall from the ceiling. And we couldn't do this without the support of Skyla's parents who live close to us. So, you know, it gives us uh, kind of a safe place to, to retreat to if things get too hairy and a place for me to set up and work during the day. So without that, I, I don't know if basement living would have been an option. We probably would have had to source out a, a temporary rental, but I think everyone can appreciate in Vancouver, that'd be another budget consideration, a short-term rental, trying to find somewhere that's convenient in terms of getting Riley to school, getting Vivian to her preschool. We'd have to pack up all of our personal belongings and and move them, our, our beds and everything. So we we really wanted to avoid that at all costs. And and luckily I think it's gonna it's gonna work out. I you know, four people, it's it's a relatively relatively tight quarters down there. Luckily we do have two bedrooms. You know, me and Skyla have had some conversations. We we understand there's gonna be challenges and everyone's gonna have to keep their cool and try and remain as level-headed as possible. But I imagine there are going to be evenings, especially when everyone's been working long days, come home tired, faced with dishes. There's no dishwasher. We don't have a proper stove. We're going to try and get by with a, you know, induction cooktop and a and an air fryer and an instant pot. And I can foresee there being being some longer, longer nights there where, where kind of people are losing patience. But, you know, it's, it is short term. It's five to six months. Keep the, the dream in, in mind and, and the focus that, you know, this isn't for Forever, and I'm sure we can persevere and get through it. You guys can do it. I know you can. I, I don't have a stove. I have an Instapot. I also don't have children, though. So, And that is the main difference. Yeah. I mean, they're they're so resilient and they're they're happy. They see it as uh, kind of an exciting adventure. Everyone's living down in a, in a small space. They're still at the age where they like to be around mom and dad as much as possible. They take no issue with it. It's it's more mom and dad who need to, to learn to be patient. No, they're happy. They just want to eat macaroni and cheese. I mean, 
They're living the dream. Oh, 100%. Yeah, quesadillas and macaroni and cheese. But you guys living in the basement had some big impacts in what we did upstairs because we couldn't have any engineering point loads or footings done in the basement because that would have made the basement unlivable for you. So I think someone mentioned it earlier. We did have a bigger, grander plan but the engineer came in and threw a curveball at us and wanted all these footings more than we had predicted, which just made it impossible to live in the basement. The engineering, and Alex can jump in if I'm off base here, but when the engineer needs to support the house and it needs to have a point load that comes, that the load is carried right down to the basement. And so then they need to have like a concrete footing that kind of disperses that weight to help keep the stability of the house. So to put in a footing would have meant we would have to cut up the foundation or the slab downstairs, dig down to the hard pan, and then pour, say, a, like a four foot by four foot footing down there. So there would have been dirt and digging and a lot of disturbance if we had to do footings. And I think he wanted how many, Alex? Like three or four. And the main challenge was one of the footings that he wanted us to upgrade was right smack dab and where the existing mechanical room was. So having to d disconnect the existing boiler and, you know, upgrade that footing and then reinstall the boiler, it just really changed the direction of the project, really. Not only implications on living in the basement, but major budget implications at that point, because, you know, that no longer were we in a position where we could phase out a renovation. It would be a full house renovation you know, with footings placed, uh, significant engineering requirements, the need for us to, to move out. We were really presented with kind of a cost benefit. What are we getting from, you know, going this route with the additional engineering? And, you know, some of these things, it comes down to moving a post, you know, a foot or two feet. And the engineering implications of that are significant in having to, you know, redirect point loads, place footings. We just decided that wasn't the route that was going to work for us. Definitely lots of conversation about design after that and being like, okay, how can we achieve like the overall functionality and stuff that we wanted? I think the biggest impact maybe um, was the bathroom. We have a lot of kind of inverted peaks on that ceiling because it was gabled at one point in the upstairs bathroom. So the ceilings are very low. And so this bathroom change that we wanted to do was the biggest negative impact on the engineering because we were trying to get the shower head high enough that Justin could stand under it because he's a tall guy and the ceiling's not very high. So we were trying to move things so that we had a higher ceiling height, but the engineering quickly shot that down. And the clawfoot tub, Kara. That's the biggest disappointment. <laughs> we lost our clawfoot tub. Oh, we had grand plans. And the kitchen island. We're bummed about that. Which I think to Justin's point, we were just moving one corner of the dining room over maybe 15 inches. And it just was a huge domino effect. So we had to keep that corner where it was. And that just meant we couldn't have our small kitchen island because there just wasn't enough clearance to walk by. We had to say goodbye to the island, but we were able to maintain or redesign the rest of the area. So it wasn't hugely impacted in the kitchen, like dining room area. The picture was going to be, well, is one bathroom for four people upstairs. And we were going to have a lovely shower and a lovely black clawfoot tub. And that's okay. Maybe another project. We'll be able to do that. So anyway, we are, we're getting a nice new bathroom. The engineer also wanted to put a post right where we wanted the bathroom door because 
we really had to be strategic in placing the bathroom door because of the ceiling heights. We needed enough room for that door to actually be able to open and clear the ceiling heights. But then the engineer came in and was like, we have to have a post here. So we had to redesign the bathroom. I think we had like three renditions of it. And in the summer, we kind of had a little bit of a slower pace in the design. We didn't do too much because we were trying to figure out, like, could we move this toilet? How expensive would moving the toilet be to achieve a double vanity with the door moved to appease the engineer? And I think in, in, in fairness to the engineer, he's also trying to create a house that is structurally sound and safe by making assumptions with how things were framed. So there's challenges with that, right? Like, you know, he's saying like, oh, you have to put a post where this bathroom is. But I mean, once you open it up, you don't really know, you know, that could completely change, right? So it's it's that balance of trying to, you know, plan and be like, okay, they, great, this is what we're doing. But I mean, there's always things that are going to happen and, and change. So once you demo, could that change the layout of the home? Or is it pretty like, no, this is the way that we're going to do the design process? Or could there be something that might affect it? So one of the areas that so in the dining room, we wanted to have like an open archway or not archway, but an open walkway through to the hallway. But we had to get rid of that during the engineering phase when we pivoted because that was causing some point load. So we're like, let's open it up, see what's behind that wall and see if we actually can open it after all the drywall's off because we figured we might be able to. So that was always a point like let's reassess after demolition. And then the bathroom was always kind of an area where like, let's see if anything can be changed after we open up everything to see if there's little tweaks we can make or not based on what's behind the walls. So after we open everything up, do you have to have the engineer back on site? Yes. Then he he goes through um, basically once he sees everything, then he's going to be he's going to make recommendations about, you know, what to, what needs to happen to um, achieve certain things on the plan that might have not have been anticipated before. Great. So I guess we'll have to wait and see. <laughs> I, I, I like this. It feels like a cliffhanger. Like, what are we going to be able to do? <laughs> awesome. Okay, let's talk a little bit more about the planning process. I know we mentioned a little bit, but did you guys have any challenges with permits? Because I know sometimes working in the city of Vancouver, my family does as well. It can take a little bit longer than some of the other municipalities. I would say there was really no issues with permits. I mean, what's kind of important is, you know, choosing somebody that's worked with the city of Vancouver for a long time. And I mean, both Karen and I have worked with city of Vancouver for seven years. And honestly, sometimes it's still a learning process with the requirements and how things are changing. There was really no issues in regards to, you know, certain additions to the scope or things that might have to be removed, you know, all those kind of scares that people have when, when doing a project with permits. Yeah. The permitting process actually went really smoothly. As a homeowner, that was a major highlight for us because I felt like we were completely hands-off during the permit process. That was Alex, Kara, you guys completely directed that. And, you know, without working with professionals, if we had to be involved with that, I, I can't even imagine. Yeah, because permits are one of those things too, as homeowners, some people are aware of them, some people are not sure exactly what ones they need. And it can kind of be a scary topic when you talk to the people like, you're going to need a permit. So I'm glad that Karen and Alex were able to help you walk you through that. So anything else with the permit process that maybe you didn't understand or kind of had an aha moment? I think one of the important things during the permit process was um, as part of the Vancouver building 
code, you have to, all your exterior walls have to be two by six. And obviously in an old home, it's two by four. So, you know, we had to, that's part of that energy audit and that process where, you know, you have to go to the city and propose, you know, alternate solutions to make the home more energy efficient without basically increasing your insulation by furring your walls out. You know, if we had to fur out the walls another two inches, that completely changes, you know, that changes everything in regards to, uh, to the home. And that even goes with upstairs with the low ceiling height. How are we able to achieve our maximum insulation, you know, without losing that ceiling height? Um, you know, so that was just, you know, that process we were able to work with the city, provide our suggestions, what we're doing. They accepted everything as is and, you know, we're, we're ready to get started. So two inches might not sound like a lot, but when you're working in a space that's not huge, like our kitchen's not a giant kitchen, two inches on both your exterior walls could make or break your kitchen. That could mean you have like a corner unit that makes your base cabinet corner more functional versus if we deferred it out, you might not have that space in your cabinet for that now. Or it, it might mean now you actually don't have room for your dishwasher size that you want. So it actually has some huge impacts on your design and especially in a smaller kitchen to lose those two inches is usually not ideal unless you are working in a really large footprint. So it relates back to again make sure you hire an experienced builder and designer to help you so you don't have to worry about that. I just want to talk about COVID for a second because this is something that a lot of people don't think about when building a home is that it can impact of course if anybody gets sick on the job site so maybe that will slow down the process. Not even that, labors, materials, deliveries. Do you foresee any of that coming down the pipeline, Alex? Absolutely. I'm not going to say that it's not going to have a, you know, it's not going to have an impact. For materials-wise, the project is long enough where, I mean, as part of our process, I order everything as soon as they sign the contract. As soon as stuff arrives, we bring it in our warehouse and we, and we store it. We don't know if the appliances are going to show up on time, those sort of things. In terms of labor, uh, I think we had this conversation a bit before Justin and Skyla, but I think when COVID first happened, it wasn't really an effect in terms of our business and our day-to-day operations. It was more of a, you know, is, is the city going to shut, is, you know, are the inspectors going to be shut down and all our projects are going to become to a halt, but really nobody got COVID and we were able to kind of keep things moving and keep projects going. I think now with the new variant, uh, I think there's just that expectation of someone's going to get it. I've gotten it personally. And I don't know if our guys are going to be showing up to site on Monday. It's just that reality of if they get it, then they have to follow the protocol and in quarantine and stay home for a week or, or whatever. It obviously it affects people differently. But yeah, we just keep going through process. There's going to be some points where, you know, there's critical paths that we have to hit. And, you know, if, if things happen, then it will push the end date. But yeah, we're, we're trying to our best to manage that. And I think it's it's definitely going to have an impact for sure. And one more thing I want to ask about the design is talking about energy efficiency. I know we mentioned a little bit before that Heritage B does not have the same requirements, but is there anything in this project that you guys are trying to do to stick with energy efficiency and try to make it updated a little bit more? Yeah, we'll be uh, upgrading the insulation throughout the entire home. We're also going to be upgrading their existing boiler to a more efficient model and a more efficient unit. And then as part of any reno that we do, energy efficient lighting, you know, energy efficient appliances, uh, those sort of things will be uh, incorporated in this uh, in this project. And is gas part of the plan? Yes. Yeah, we have a gas uh, range as well as a gas 
fireplace. And I know the city of Vancouver is trying to kind of phase out gas, but we had our permits in before the end of the 2021. So we didn't have to follow those same requirements. I have a question. Why did did you guys have that conversation of gas versus induction or were you guys gas all the way? Gas was already existing in the house and we like gas, cooking on gas. The energy audit was uh, really interesting when we did that and really highlighted where the inefficiencies are in the house. And as expected, it is mainly the Heritage 1912 windows that are cause a lot of heat loss in the house. So I think that's something we've earmarked for a future date to investigate how we can upgrade those components of the house while still maintaining that heritage character. I've had some conversations even with the Heritage Foundation in Vancouver, so they have resources and I think we'll we'll work with them. Well, that's really cool that you contacted them and you went that extra step. Yeah, we're planning to uh, we're planning to paint actually this summer too. And going through the Heritage Foundation is, you know, an added bonus. Yes, you have to stay within the, you know, their palette, but but there are some options there and hoping Kara can uh, lend her expertise. For sure. I'm sure she can. Okay, let's uh, ask the big question because we're going to head into the demolition stage while we're going to find out more about it in the next episode. But how long is it going to take for demolition? Uh, two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. Can't wait to hear more about that. I'm excited to know what we find. How are you guys feeling about the process so far, Skyla and Justin? I know we haven't demoed yet, but obviously you've been working with these people for the last few months. How do you guys feel about this whole process of renovating your home? It's been really a good experience so far. We A bit of a whirlwind over Christmas. Um, the scheduled demolition start is January 10th, so... We've been busy packing up all of our belongings from the upper two floors and and trying to find either, you know, storage for them downstairs for the the critical things we need, or luckily we have some garage space. Um, So we've called on family and friends to come help us pack boxes and moving things through the, uh, through the snow into the garage, trying to get rid of some, you know, bigger pieces of furniture that probably aren't in our, in our future plans. So um, it's been busy between Christmas and um, and 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 packing up and getting ready for for things to kick off. I'm just excited to see you know things start to come together. I think some people find it really hard to visualize you know or conceptualize something, and I I need to see it. So Kara does a great job of showing plans and CAD, but that doesn't mean much to me. <laughs> so I'm, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm super excited to, uh, to see it all come together. You're just uh, trusting that my vision's going to work out. Yeah. I mean, it just is what it is at this point. <laughs> the gas pedal is uh, <laughs> applied. <laughs> so we're going. It's going to be so good. I'm so excited yeah. for it. Yeah, me too. I know it's a little early to kind of ask this question because you guys have only been living in the basement suite for a little bit. You haven't started the demo yet, but how are you feeling physically and emotionally about this project and how it's going to impact your lives in the next few months? And how are the kids feeling about this? Yeah, so we started packing toys up, which was uh, an emotional <laughs> experience, although they're only in the garage. But you know, you, you gotta, it, it's hard to, it's a little stressful trying to anticipate what you're going to need when you're used to having all your your things and trying to um, 
be clear in your own mind how how you can live on a smaller scale for medium to long term uh, amount of time. Six months feels like a long time to sort of be be camping, like Alex said earlier. But um, moving is stressful, and we, we've done it, you know, in the recent past, moving from our, our duplex to this place, and it's really it's really stressful. It's a lot of sleepless nights trying to organize and and plan. So yeah, we're excited just to to have it done and and just start living again normally ish in the basement (laughs) see what that looks like (laughs) yeah and everything's gonna kick off every you know return to work for me and skyla return to normal schedule and then start the demo so we'll see we'll see how the first first few weeks play out um We've done some emotional preparation for it. We know there's going to be challenges. Um, you know, we've had some moments where we've, you know, naturally second guessed some of the decisions we've made. Is this the right thing that we've decided to do? Is this the right way to dedicate our savings? And we've gone through that process and we are fully committed and, and excited for the result. And the girls probably can't wait for the day that you get to take some of those toys out of the garage. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. I've already found a few hidden under beds and stuff, so. (laughs) Oh, they were trying to hide them, so you didn't take them away. Yeah. (laughs) You know, things will get easier as as the weather improves as we move into spring, and we'll have more opportunities to be outside. And it's those rainy nights and rainy weekends where, you know, especially during the pandemic, if you're not out trying to do activities, you find yourself maybe hunkered down in the basement and, you know, wondering... What have we done? Well, I know in the next few months, once you guys get to move into your newly renovated home, you'll be being like, yes, we're glad we did this. But uh, hey, those are all human emotions. We're all normal. And I thank you guys so much for doing this. We've discussed so much this episode. We've talked about the planning process. We talked about budget, which sometimes can be scary. But if you have the right contractor and the right team behind you, then maybe it's not so bad. And of course, we talked about timing because things can come up. So we are buckled in for this ride. We're ready to go. We're moving into the basement suite. We're waiting for the demo. And I'm really excited to do this journey with you guys. Before we go, anything that you're nervous about for the demo? We're going to ask this question to everybody because I want to know anything that you're nervous about for the demo. Who wants to go first? Dealing with a heritage home, a 1912 home, um, and those unknowns. My concern is, is there a deal breaker in here somewhere, something that we have not anticipated whatsoever that's going to have a huge impact on on the path forward. So fingers crossed that nothing of that sort comes up. But I mean, you know, being an optimist, uh, maybe maybe there's some upside potential too. Who knows? It's the uh, it's the great unknown. So Skyla? Dustiness. I don't know. We've lived through like our previous renos and drywall dust, dirt, constantly in your space I'm hoping is uh, not going to be our experience (laughs) this time. I guess what I'm being optimistic about through demolition is that we can open up the hallway wall like we wanted to or to some extent and I'm hoping for some good surprises but that's always my super optimism point of view coming out. And I'm hoping you get your arch. Yeah our little walkway through the dining room. That'd be great. Fingers crossed. Well, awesome. Thank you, guys. This has been great. Uh, kind of leaving on a cliffhanger because next episode, we're going to find out what happened in the demolition, which I'm really excited about. It's like watching a TV show. So thanks again. Chat with you guys next time. Thank you. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Jen.
Measure Twice Cut Once is grateful to our podcast partners, Fortis BC and Ethical Flooring. Their support helps us share expert knowledge and resources with families looking to build, design, and renovate the home right for you. Ethical Flooring is located in North Vancouver and specializes in the supply and installation of brand name flooring for residential renovations and custom-built homes. And the BC Energy Step Code Program is a provincial standard moving the entire home building industry forward to build homes to better energy efficiency standards, which means better health, comfort, and safety. Be sure to check out betterhomesbc.ca to talk to your renovator or builder for the latest energy rebates and resources. If you've enjoyed this episode or have a friend or family member looking to renovate, be sure to share this podcast simply by following and sharing the podcast. You'll be entered in to win a Napoleon Prestige P500 stainless steel natural gas barbecue valued at $1,549, compliments of Fortis BC. Season four's real-time reno has real resources we can all learn from. See you next time. Is it time to upgrade to a vehicle that's right for your needs today? Get all the options you need at todaysdrive.com. Brought to you by Black Press Media. We'll get you into the perfect vehicle without the struggle of hours spent trying to find what's right for you. We're here to help make your search quick and easy, connecting you with a huge inventory of new and used cars, trucks, and SUVs. Powered by Black Press Media. Visit todaysdrive.com.